It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. So I wanted to talk a little bit on today's show about auto shows. Some big news broke uh, about a week ago that Mercedes is pulling out of the Detroit auto show, the North American auto show, the big baby of auto shows. So what does that mean? We're noticing that automakers are starting to spend less time on the big four regional auto shows, which happen to be November LA, and then January is Detroit or the North American International Auto Show. February is Chicago, and the final one of the year is New York. And they're the biggest auto shows, not because they're regional auto shows with size, but because this is where automakers show off their new vehicles for the new year. And so people have started to look at the cost of putting on these events and then decided that maybe it's actually cheaper to fly journalists in to a specific auto show and actually have them come in, just cover their product, give them exclusive coverage of the product instead of mucking in with everybody else and trying to do auto shows on their own. Uh, and, and trying to get a little less of the pie. So it looks like, for instance, you know, you have 25 announcements at the Detroit Auto Show, North American International Auto Show, and then you're trying to get a, a bigger percentage of that pie. And there's always one brand that always overrules everybody else with a really cool reveal. Last year in New York, it was the Demon. Uh, when, when Dodge showed the brand new Demon, 840 horsepower, that consumed the entire auto show. And what happens is if you have an announcement of, let's say, your GMC and you have an of the new terrain, you get less of the pie because somebody else has bigger news. So what they're saying is the amount of money we spend on doing this reveal at the auto show might be better spent on flying journalists into Detroit for a special event and showing it off and getting coverage somewhere else in the year. What do you guys think? Do you think that auto shows are becoming too expensive? I mean, they spend millions of dollars. I think it's impossible for us to really know how much money they spend because how much was it per chair? It was $100 a chair. So about 2012, Kia paid $148 a chair during their press conference at the Detroit show, which ended up that you know, you have 500 journalists there or somewhere between two and 500 people. I mean, how many chairs you put out on the floor? That's a lot of money. Mazda came up, I think Mazda came up with an idea a few years before that to let journalists take the chairs away. So they give them as gifts. Journalists put them down on their own. Well, the auto show came up with a rule you can't do that. So they were trying to circumvent the costs. So for instance, Volvo pulling out of, of the North American International Auto Show. BMW pulling out. These guys pulling out of these shows. Is there going to be anyone left? It's just going to be the big American guys? But I, they're still doing off-site reveals. They are not completely pulling out of the show. They're still going to do their off-site reveal where they invite a couple of journalists to a little bar and show off the car. And then they're right, just going to so, throw it in the auto show. So the show's argument for that not being a good idea is the fact that they're bringing all these journalists for the New York Auto Show in and then they're going off-site. So... They're bringing them in, but then they're going off-site for something else. And they, they receive no contribution towards the pie. So the cost of putting an auto show on, they're not receiving any contributions towards that. These people are going off-site, and these guys aren't having it. So Lamborghini, perfect example with a Urus, did not have anything on the floor. They had it off-site. So they were using the fact that all these other auto journalists were in Detroit. They're going off-site to these other events. The question is, do we think auto shows are now going to become much more of a regional event instead of, you know, for instance, the Seattle auto show an amazing event great cars everyone gets to see them but are these going to be the uh, the local auto shows going to be the auto shows of the future 
I think they are. I think I think the big auto shows are going to disappear. I think uh, they're just going to end up flying us out there just to stay, just because we'll all be in the same central location and then being like, okay, the same as a normal auto show. This offsite reveal, this offsite reveal, this offsite reveal. It'll just remain the same, but then that that normal everyday auto show where you go to the hall isn't going to be there anymore. We just do our offsite reveals and for the national, but then it becomes why don't you just do it separately and have everybody's attention because you're still competing in time, right? Mm-hmm. So you're competing like as 10, 10, 10 off sites in a day. You're still only a tenth likely to get your story on the front page of ourautoexpert.com. The likelihood is that if you do it as separate and you fly 50 journalists out to Detroit or to South Carolina or to Seattle to see some new product, you're going to get a lot more attention because everyone's there specifically for your unveil. All right, when we come back, uh, one car company, which has been making big waves in the auto industry in China and in the United States. In fact, 80% of their vehicles sold in China, but they're an American company. We're going to find out about the Buick's latest wagon that they call the Torex. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. Start your engines and they're off. Back to Our Auto Expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. At one point, he was the youngest uh, PR person in the industry, um, and now he, uh, unfortunately, what happens with everybody is people get older, and there's some younger guys coming behind him, but uh, Stuart Fowl is with us from Buick. He is in charge of public relations for them. Uh, Stuart, we have been with you on a whole bunch of new events that you've had over the last couple of years. One of the vehicles that you released recently was the Turex, which is a regal wagon. Is is the word wagon a dirty word in America? You know, I don't go in with America. Probably too much of a generalization for it. For some people, it's, it's absolutely a dirty word, and it's something uh, people think back to big wood-paneled side wagons, and that's really not what the Turex is. So for people who don't think it's a dirty word. We can't wait to get the Turex out in front of people and they can call it a wagon all day long. For folks who, who have a, a poor perception of what a wagon is, you know, the Turex is all-wheel drive. It has a little bit higher ride height, has great interior space, and to a lot of people, what I'm describing is a, what they think of as a crossover. So we're trying to really message it as what it offers to customers rather than attaching a, a specific word to it. I have to tell you that being a European, of course, that wagons have a special place in my heart. And, and being a journalist, too, like every journalist wants a brown manual <laughs> diesel wagon. That's just it just seems a weird thing that every journalist is in love with those. But I'm, t- I'm absolutely in love with the Turex. And you have discovered this sort of white space, a space of people who didn't want to pay a huge amounts of money for a German wagon, who wanted something that was more sporty, more dynamic, and, more, and easier to handle. And so this vehicle is likely to sell a lot to those people that want those items, right? You, you've tailored it to this special white space of the market. Yeah, and I mean, we don't offer it in brown, we don't offer it with a manual, we don't offer it with a diesel, and you still love it. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I think we found a good sweet spot. But yeah, absolutely. It's uh, what we think of as as white space. It's a word we use, two words we use at Buick really often um, because of the types of products we put out into the market. So yeah, it's at a price point where no one else really has a wagon set a size in that price point that no one really offers. So we think we have a really unique product 
it does borrow a lot from what makes our cars good. It borrows a lot from what makes our SUVs good and combines them into a really cool vehicle. When I first arrived to your event in Phoenix and we were going to drive up into the mountains, the first thing that you guys did is you took me out into a parking lot and you had a, a Volvo next to your version of the wagon, which is the Turex, and you just showed us how much more dynamic it is in all-wheel drive. Did you specifically want to to be able to do more with your vehicles than some of the European vehicles because you have this clutch in the rear that allows you to actually have one wheel to get traction and showed us how it can get out of, a, for instance, an icy situation uh, against its Volvo counterpart, which is not able to do that. Yeah, we think that twin clutch rear differential technology is a, a real game changer for us. I think a lot of people go to a dealership and they think my choice is front wheel drive or all wheel drive. And to a lot of uh, normal customers, all all-wheel drive is the same. And the message that we really wanted to show with that, so know what you're buying, do your research, ask questions at the dealership because all all-wheel drives aren't the same. And the one that we have in the Tour X as well as uh, the Regal Sportback, the Regal GS, the Lacrosse, the Enclave, and the Envision. Nearly all of our models have this uh, this new twin clutch system. Um, I also wanted to know uh, a little bit about the the baggage because you showed us that you could actually get baggage into the back of the vehicle, and that baggage was uh, only one bag shorter than than an SUV, and about five uh, duffel bags more than than competition, right? Nick, I'm offended that you say I have baggage, but uh, <laughs> I, I know that's not what you meant. Yeah, when we started looking at the Tour X and the space that we do have, um, we, were, we were doing competitive comparisons. We noticed we're not just a little bit ahead of vehicles like the Audi A4 All-Road or the Volvo uh, V60 Cross Country. We were a lot ahead of those vehicles. We, we, we honestly kind of ran out of uh, wagon comparisons, started doing some additional digging and noticed that we we weren't just ahead of a lot of wagons. We're within just a couple cubic feet of space from an Infiniti QX60, which is a, a three-row SUV. Uh, when we come back, Sue, and I want to talk a little bit about price. Uh, I want to talk about price, and I want to talk also about uh, the fact that this vehicle seems to be, or wagons seem to be a favorite of the Northwest. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. On the phone with us still, Stuart Fowl. Uh, he's talking about the Buick Turex, which is their new wagon. Uh, Stuart, I noticed that this vehicle is very geared for people who do activities, outdoor activities. One of the comparisons you gave us was it easy to get a bike or a ski, a set of skis or a snowboard on and off the roof because you have less clearance than you would in an SUV. It has the very capable all-wheel drive system. Do you think this is going to be the Ski Bum's new vehicle? I sure hope so. I that's the the car I'd choose as a, a former ski bomb. And the really great thing about the the Tour X, the, the upper trim level, the Essence, in addition to the roof rack, has a rear seat that the center folds down. So it's 40% on each side and 20% in the middle can fold down. So you could get skis inside the car and still have four passengers in the car. I looked at some figures that kind of amazed me uh, that the Northwest, uh, people are more likely by 50% to buy wagons. Uh, I know you've started shipping the vehicles. Uh, are we going to see them in the Northwest soon? 
Yeah, we've, we're just a couple hundred sales in at this point. We just started shipping them a few weeks ago. Some of the snow going on across the country right now is, is sure to help us. Um, but before we started shipping cars, we did our research. This is a, a new vehicle for us. It's a new market. Um, and it's not going to sell in, in markets where we've traditionally sold other Buicks. So we looked at where our competitors sell vehicles. And absolutely, it's places like Portland, Seattle, Northern California, as well as on the other end of the country, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Boston area, Connecticut. Uh, so that's where we're really starting to ship all of our first models because we want to be right where our competitors are and, and have some good options. So, yeah, Northwest, obviously one of the uh, biggest opportunities for us. Does this wagon have what it takes to pull buyers out of the crossover segment, or is that something that you may be focusing on at all? Um, you know, we may pull some from there. We may pull some from, from other cars. I think, honestly, it absolutely has what it takes to pull people away, but it's also just a different kind of buyer. If someone isn't as much into an active lifestyle, doesn't need to load the bikes and things onto the roof uh, on a regular basis, they may go for an SUV because of the, the taller height inside of the vehicle. If you want to fit taller things inside the car, an SUV is a great option. We have plenty of those as well. What do you think the uh, the take rate is going to be on this versus the rest of the Regal family? Because you have the Sportback and you also have the, uh, the, the regular Regal, which is the sedan. Uh, or the GS version of that, uh, which you have a new one coming of, I understand. But do you think that this is going to make up, uh, you know, 30, 30%, 40% of, of the Regal brand? We do have a new GS coming as well. I'm I'm pretty excited for that car because it's an extra 60 horsepower over the normal Sportback. So actually, we, we took a bold move and we no longer do sell a sedan in the United States. Our only sedan left in the entire Buick lineup is the little cross. So we're just offering it as the Sportback, which looks a lot like a, a sedan, uh, but has a, a lift gate in the back end. And then we're offering it as the Tour X. And then, of course, the, the GS is a, a trim level of the Sportback. It's our, our top sportiest model. Um, but I would say to answer your question, we're conservatively saying about 30% of the Regals we sell will be the Tour X wagon. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, trying the new GS, and uh, I will be absolutely wounded if the uh, Tour X is not a massive hit because I think it's uh, one of the most awesome vehicles. But again, auto journalists, uh, they like those wagons in brown with manuals and diesels. So I take away the manual diesel, and I still love the wagon. So, Stuart, thanks very much, and we'll look forward to hearing about the GS when that comes out. Homo News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back. Our auto expert continues on Como News. Here's Nick Miles. All right, this is one thing I really do love. It's a little bit of off-roading, and I want to take you back in history to the first edition of the Jeep Cherokee. And the first edition was quite a shock to people when it came out. Nobody was expecting this modern urban look, this very, um, I would say, swift uh, headlights and a much more chiseled grille in the first edition of the Cherokee. And it sort of adopted a new design language for Jeep, 
when it came to market the second time and the second version was unveiled, it was a play on the first version, but it expanded on that to be uh, much more rugged than the first version and sort of got a new front end with a more chiseled look, if that was even possible. Uh, to talk a little bit about that and the capabilities of the new Cherokee, uh, Scott Talon is joining us from Jeep. He's in charge of marketing. Uh, Scott, this is a was initially quite a shock to Jeep lovers, but seemed to be quickly adopted as part of the Jeep family, didn't it? You know, while it, it was a very distinctive styling, it, it still, you know, kept true with some of the, the traditional Jeep elements, you know, the seven-slotted grille, the trapezoidal wheel arches. Um, and it did just that. It, it, it got noticed very quickly. And, and I think that while initially there's a lot of conversation, a bit polarizing to an extent, there's a lot of consumers that were really drawn to the distinctive look. So the evolution of that is, is what we have today in the new Cherokee. You have so many vehicles in the lineup, whereas maybe another car company might have three vehicles they might have a, a small a medium and a and, a, and a, a full-size suv jeep have they've taken this segment and broken it down so you have the renegade which is the smallest and and the first jeep in the lineup uh, then you have that followed by the compass uh, then then the the cherokee and somewhere in there is the wrangler which is the, the much more sort of rugged off-road and, and capable uh, you get up to the grand cherokee and there's still space beyond the grand cherokee for the new full-size or the new you know mid-sized third row uh, vehicle that you're going to have. So you've divided up your pie into lots of pieces, but it doesn't seem to be hurting you. In fact, it's it's helping you. You, you know, that you're, you're precisely right. And that, that was the part of the, the strategy a number of years ago when we, we put these these plans in place and began developing them is, is to establish, you know, we saw the shift in the industry, but, you know, people were moving from traditional passenger cars to more utility vehicles. And, and, and while there is overlap with a, a pricing, they all have a very distinct personality. They all have a very distinct set of product attributes and, and that's what separates them. And if you think about it from, you know, really where the, the heart of the market is and call it the 20 to, to $35,000 price range, you have three really compelling um, nameplates that are going to appeal to one consumer over another based on their personal preferences, their styling preferences, or what they need from a capability standpoint. And, you know, it's really helped establish our, our Jeep dealer network is, is a shopping destination for, for SUVs. You know, 1974 was the year that the uh, the Wagoneer was, I think, was around. That Wagoneer is going to be hopefully your, your big vehicle, right? Well, there, there's always room to, to expand the product portfolio, and, and we'll continue to do that in, in those areas where there is white space for, for Jeep and obviously where it aligns with where the brand has been previously. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really excited as we continue to bring new products into new segments. And the Renegade, as you mentioned earlier, is a great example. This subcompact SUV or UV segment really didn't exist four or five years ago. So let's talk a little bit about the, the trim levels and technologies with the, with the Cherokee. First of all, you have five different trim levels. You have a number of engines and there's a possibility you could expand out of those. So, so tell us sort of where it goes from in trim levels to, because you have some very basic trim levels for those people that are just looking for basic transportation with all the capability and safety, but you can expand that out into quite luxurious trim levels, can't you? Yeah, no, the the, the Cherokee lineup is, is a it's a really broad range. I mean, the, the entry level begins with our Latitude trim. 23,995 is the base MSRP. So very, very uh, competitive 
from a from a price point standpoint. But what we've been able to do is bring in new technology with uh, the 19 new chair. When we come back, Scott, I want to talk to a little bit about uh, what this vehicle offers up against its competition, a very crowded segment. I want to talk also about the Easter eggs uh, that you have hidden in the car because that seems to be one of the things that a lot of people get excited about with Jeep and the amount of sales increase you've had over the last year. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. On the phone with us, Scott Talon. He is in charge of marketing for Jeep, and we are talking about the new Cherokee, which is just arriving in markets very shortly. Scott, one of the things that we always like to do is measure car against car, SUV against SUV, and that, of course, is exactly what we're going to ask you now as far as Cherokee is concerned. This seems to be about the most crowded area for new vehicles, this this SUV size, which the Cherokee goes up against the Toyota RAV4, the Subaru Forest, Honda CRV and Hyundai Santa Fe, along with the Sportage. So, what what are people buying Jeeps looking at uh, this vehicle being more dominant off road? What's what's the key of this winning against its competition? You know, you're 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 absolutely right. It's a, it's a really tough segment with a lot of very good competitive nameplates and, and established players that have been in the marketplace for a really long time and and have a very loyal owner base. You know, the Cherokee was when we set out our mission was not to pick a competitor and say, that's what we're going to benchmark. We really benchmarked the customer. And what we set out to do was, you know, have those best-in-class attributes that, that draw the customer to the segment, which is the utility of in large part. They want to have the space, the room, the comfort, but they also wanted to have more. So, you know, the best-in-class towing, for example, that is that is something that's, uh, you know, unique to the Cherokee. And with the V6, it, it offers something that you can't get anywhere else in this class. Furthermore, we have a number of four-wheel drive systems. Our active drive low allows the vehicle to be put neutral. So sounds odd, but many people that have RVs, they love to have to flat tow a vehicle. So the Cherokee is perfect for that. So there's a number of little nuances that, that help separate it. And certainly the Jeep styling. I mean, all of our styling, both not just the exterior, um, but even the interior, premium materials, nice finishes, very aesthetically pleasing to the eye to give it that premium feel. But I also think that it's important to have the DNA, the part of the exterior that you instantly recognize every single one of our models is a Jeep from 50 feet away. So let's talk a little bit about sales. Uh, sales for the Cherokee have had a 13% increase from 2016 to 17. This is obviously gaining bigger share of the market. Do we see that continuing? Do we see this uh, starting more and more to dominate? Because obviously that's what you want to do as a business is own more of the, the real estate that's available. But does this vehicle have what it takes? And, and do you think it will increase its sale, sales increase of the pie? Yeah, there, there, there's no question. I mean, at the onset, we were really determined to make this the most advanced Cherokee that we could and bring to market and, and still maintain a, a very uh, you know, compelling value proposition. So, and I think that we've done that with, with in particular the content we've added. But you know, one of the the, the key components that that helped transform this 19 uh, new Cherokee was the addition of the new two liter. And not only does this two liter perform exceptionally well 
you know, on road in terms of acceleration, um, but but even off road, it, it offers a level of, of off road capability with a, a just an enormous amount of low end torque available um, that that really helps separate it. And then to be able to couple this this level of power and performance with exceptional fuel efficiency is is something we're excited about. To to achieve a, a 30 mile per gallon label with this type of acceleration and performance, both on and off road, is is something that's really important to the consumer. And I think that it provides a driving experience like nothing else in the segment either. And we'll look forward to uh, maybe some more news about Cherokee in the next few years or so as the market changes. Uh, Scott, it's always really good to have you on the show. There's nothing I really enjoy more than talking to you on these events because you give us a really solid perspective of what's going on in the industry. And we'll look forward to talking to you about future product as it becomes available. Absolutely, Nick. It's always a pleasure. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. As we come to the end of our first hour of Our Auto Expert this week, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about a couple of vehicles that we've been test driving, and we'll have uh, more information about them. Uh, there is a new uh, Range Rover in the lineup. It's called the Velar. It falls right between their uh, Range Rover Evoque and their Range Rover Sport. Uh, the Velar, by the way, has some really cool technology uh, on it, which is the center console is hidden until lit. So it looks like a black piece of piano wood, but when you put your hand over it, it lights up and it's actually screens inside of there. It's cool technology. It may have had a few hiccups in the last few months of not working so well for some people that have test driven it. Also uh, been test driving a bunch of vehicles including the new Lexus LS so that's a bunch of fun we are going to tell you all about that as our auto expert continues in the next few weeks coming up Mike Quinnell is going to join us he is a national television personality and he's going to reflect on some of the vehicles that were released a couple of weeks ago at the Chicago Auto Show Subaru celebrating their 50th anniversary and that and much more as we continue our look at the car industry the auto industry the off-road industry and uh, the aftermarket industry como news there's more to come with nick miles stay tuned our auto expert will be right back it's a northwest lifestyle weekend on como news welcome to the fast lane our auto expert with nick miles continues well, joining us on the phone today is Michael Cordell. Uh, Michael is a, an international, I would say, uh, man of mystery, but he's also an automotive expert, and he spends his time uh, talking about cars on television very much the same as I do. He's a partner in our Auto Expert website. Uh, Mike, we spent some time at the Chicago show a couple of weeks ago together. The Chicago show is probably the smallest of the American auto shows. Uh do you think this it has a place in existing as one of the big four? We've been talking about this morning, about the fact that Mercedes had pulled out of Detroit yesterday. Do you think Chicago is going to survive as one of the major auto shows in the United States? Oh, no question about it. And thanks for having me on, Nick. You know, when I when I look at the four big auto shows as they currently sit, L.A., Detroit, Chicago, New York, in no particular order, I think Chicago will always have a fit. One, it's the largest auto show from the standpoint of square footage and vehicles on the show floor. And so Second, it's the oldest standing auto show in the midst of uh, 
snowy weather while we were in Chicago. Uh, it's cold outside. People need things to do on the weekend. And this show is a great conduit for them to come in, test drive vehicles, uh, which is something that you can't do at some of the other shows. They can actually come indoors and, and test drive, a, for example, a Jeep if they want to get behind the wheel. A variety of simulator, you know, simulators on the show floor. And what I love the most about it is it's all family, family and interactive. It's a blue collar show. So uh, compared to the other shows, you know, what I like the most is that when you go to Detroit and L.A. and, and many instances, New York, it's all about world debuts, cars that you've never seen. What I like the most about Chicago is that most of the cars on the show floor you've seen, but the automakers uh, take them to that aftermarket level of quality. Let's talk a little bit about the 50th anniversary of Subaru, because this is a company that uh, is has been in the United States about half the length of most other car companies. Uh, they have been around 50 years, but at the same time, they're having multiple years, I think nine years in a row, of sales records. Uh, Subaru seemed to be hitting it out of the park, celebrating 50 years with some special editions. They they definitely had some vehicles on the floor that were turning heads, uh, mainly because the, the nine vehicles that were lined up together were all wearing that heritage blue color. Eight of those nine are actually the production vehicles that will be uh, sold by Subaru, uh, just north of a 1,000 each. Uh, for those vehicles with three of them standing out with just a, a thousand in total uh, from a volume standpoint. But uh, just, you know, we get so caught up in cars at, at auto shows because that is our industry. But there's a lot of heart, uh, you know, heart pulling stories. And, and this one uh, with Subaru was kind of uh, one of the themes that I really took away and enjoyed uh, learning more about. With their 50th anniversary, they're giving away 50 Outbacks to Meals on Wheels. So if you just think about that, you know, from a financial standpoint, that's a pretty expensive number of vehicles to be giving away. And so, you know, their advertising campaign has been love. Um, and I think at first glance, uh, years ago, when they started launching with the love campaign, you kind of go, man, I don't know if it's going to make it love. Uh, but then you fast forward, you go, man, these their customers have embraced it. And what they're doing with uh, organizations like Meals on Wheels separates them from a lot of automakers. I love what they're doing nine years consecutive in a row with uh, sales volume being up. Subaru also have that new Ascent. This is their three row SUV. Uh, it's big. It's spacious. I sat inside of it and counted them for myself. 19 cup holders. This is the marketplace that a lot of Americans want to be. Three rows and spacious. And now they have all-wheel drive and Subaru safety and uh, their, their technology. That's kind of a cool thing uh, for Subaru. Did we ever think that they would be able to pull off a three-row three SUV? Well, and that's, that's just it. You hit the nail on the head. In order for automakers to be competitive in the marketplace, they have to diversify their product portfolio. So Subaru entering the market with a three-row SUV uh, put them in the ball game of being able to compete with other automakers. So, for example, if you look at Ford Motor Company and their Explorer, um, you know you have an opportunity to compete in that in that mid-size SUV market. But Subaru is being known for uh, smaller-sized vehicles. It's going to definitely attract a certain type of customer. With uh, dogs, for example, very pet-friendly company, um, kids as well. It just makes them more more functional and gives them a chance to compete in the marketplace. We're on the phone with. Mike Cadell, he's uh, talking about some of the cars that were released uh, over a week ago at the Chicago International Auto Show. When we return, uh, Mike, I want to talk a little bit uh, about some of the other vehicles we saw and the fact that uh, horsepower and luxury seems to be the way to go, but also the fact that Nissan are doing something kind of weird and taking the wheels off some of their vehicles. That's uh, when we return. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. Como News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. 
Now it's one of the favorite parts of the show that I have each week. Anton Woolman joining us. He is an independent analyst and investor, kind of a, a crazy, wacky uh, financial guy. Uh, Anton, let's start off with the fact that two weeks ago we looked at the Tesla Model uh, 3 and in fact the entire Tesla fourth quarter results for 2017. And there were quite a few big shocks in those numbers. That's right. And uh, in particular, something the company did not actually admit in its earnings release and the attendant conference call and something that came out right after. And that was that the company had delayed the availability for a variety of Model 3 versions in a variety of geographies, most notable and most importantly, the $35,000 version of the Model 3 one which I suspect most people uh, stood in line for two years ago, has now been delayed until the very, very end of 2018 for the people who stood in line on the very first day. And for pretty much everyone else, they now keep saying, well, sometime in 2019. So that is kind of a big deal because if you put down that $1,000 refundable deposit back at the end of March or beginning of April of 2016, thinking that you would be getting this car certainly by the middle of 2018, uh, you can basically forget about it. So uh, the question is, for all of these people, what will they now do? This has all sorts of other repercussions, and that is, when you stood in line for that car two years ago, you may not only have been interested in the $35,000 price, but also you're interested in getting that $7,500 U.S. federal tax credit so that the price would be $27,500 plus taxes and fees. And now it looks like as a result of these delays, you're not going to get that either. So the car is delayed by at a minimum at least a half a year or so, maybe more, and you're not going to get it uh, attached to that $7,500 federal tax credit either. So um, this is a big change for all of the people who stood in line for the Model 3. So worst case scenario for Tesla, everybody cancels? Well, everybody won't cancel. Keep in mind that there are some people that are getting the car right now today. I mean, the company is producing not too far from a thousand units per week and the car is being delivered. There are a lot of people who are interested in that. And of course, there are other people yet who still have got to receive their cars. And those are the people who want all wheel drive. We expect deliveries of the all wheel drive versions to start soon, maybe as early as March, but maybe certainly by the summer. And those will obviously also cost a little bit more further still. So there are people who didn't stand in line just for the cheapest version of the car, but people who are really don't care what the car costs. They just want the best and most expensive versions. And of course, this is this distribution of interested consumers is a naturally occurring phenomenon for a lot of the cars out there. I mean, the BMW 3 Series, some people want the base version and some people want like the M3s. Maybe a lot of people will cancel. And 
as the car takes longer to appear in people's driveways, in the meantime, a lot of alternatives start popping up from Hyundai, Kia, GM, Jaguar, and many, many other automakers that could end up being very, very competitive. Now, we heard some interesting news about the uh, the new Kona. Uh, that's likely to be one of the major competitors in the electric car range, right? That's right. We got some further clarification in the recent week regarding the Hyundai Kona EV. This is a small crossover. Let's call it an SUV. Uh, the gasoline version will be out by the summer, I think, and uh, the electric version will start shipping in a variety of geographies around the world. Uh, also, in the summer. The all-electric version appears in the United States probably in November this year, and it will have a range of at least 260 miles, maybe 270 miles. Anton Wallman is our guest. When we return in the next segment of our Auto Expert, we're going to talk to Anton about some of the interesting research which seems to be done by the federal government, and could our fuel economy targets be changed in the next several years? What does that mean? Who are the winners and who are the losers as we continue? More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. In the second hour of the show, we'll get to talk to Mike Cordell. Mike is Fox & Friends automotive expert, where he contributes a lot of television segments to the website. So we're used to working with him, but we'll talk about some of the cars that were released a couple of weeks ago at the Auto Show in Chicago. Also, Anton Warman will be here. He'll be talking about the latest information from Tesla as we analyze their fourth quarter sales from 2017, and some new information about what the government is looking to do with fuel standards in the future. But Ryan has been testing some products. Ryan, uh, in a former life, you were a detailer before you became a car guy on the radio and TV. And you have been testing something new. What what have you been playing with? I have some new finish wax that Meguiar's has let us use. It's called Ultimate Fast Finish. It's basically a no buffer required system. So you just throw some finish wax on once you're all done cleaning your car up. And it's kind of that final layer of protection before you head out. So I understand how this works. Is it like a TV dinner of... Uh, of waxes so it's like the microwave version it's kind of like the ketchup that you put on the tv dinner wait so the car has to be waxed first before you put this on no 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 the tv dinner is heated up which is cleaned right right then you put ketchup on top no 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 Uh, No. so when i say a tv dinner i mean instead of like getting all the raw vegetables and prepping them and cooking them it's it's a fast way of doing wax Finish wax is another layer of wax. So the more layers of wax that you put on is the more layers of protection. So you put on one layer of wax and then finish wax is called finish wax because it's the last layer of wax that you put on. I know a lot of times that people were having matte car paint colors on the exterior of their car and they were putting through car wash and then the, the, the matte was becoming shiny. Like Hyundai had a problem with their original gray matte. But uh, Lexus just came out with a new matte finish on their GS, which is car wash proof, I guess you would call it. This seems like dishwasher safe. It's car wash proof. <laughs> Uh, and it doesn't. So when you have a matte vehicle, what's the process? Because you don't want it shiny. You need like a special chemical that's basically like a denim, what they call a denim or matte chemical, and it doesn't have a lot of waxes in it. So it's basically just going to pull the contaminants off of it, and then it uses kind of like a synthesized protection. 
One of the cars that we have in our uh, arsenal of vehicles is our 1999 Suburban uh, project vehicle that we've, we've been working on. Uh, Hodgenock Customs did the uh, the bumpers on it. We've had a, a wheel lift kits from uh, the guys at Wheelcraft. We've done a bunch of stuff, but Linex sprayed the exterior of the vehicle uh, with the Linex bed liner. So how do, how do you clean that for us? So I put this little head on my buffer. It's a brushing system, and I sprayed some of my citrus cleaner, and I buffed the whole truck. took me two seconds to do it with some of that sprayed chemical and washed off with a hose. And you got to be careful that you don't pull off this Linex, or can you can you get it off? I don't, I don't even know if that's possible, <laughs> honestly. I really don't think it can come off. It's on there. They have a new ballistics uh, Linex that they can spray on vehicles that can help the military. Uh, pushes some of the explosion away from the vehicle. It's very clever. And it's sort of self-healing and it's uh, super protective. But that stuff, they say you can hit a baseball bat against the car and it can't dent it. It's like a rubber ball. It just absorbs any anything that hits it. It's pretty incredible. What's uh, what's the one tip for that people always complain about is keeping mold out of your vehicle? Biggest tip is leaving baking soda inside your car and leaving the windows down if you have it inside your garage or just baking soda in your car with the windows up. All right, so baking soda absorbs the moisture or the, the mold? It'll absorb the moisture. It's not going to kill the mold. You're going to have to use like a vinegar and water solution to kind of clean that out. Uh, who, who wants mold in the car? It's one thing we suffer from here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, when we come back, Mike Cordell will be on the phone. We'll talk about what happened at the uh, Chicago Auto Show a couple of weeks ago. Then we'll talk to Anton Wallman, who is our resident independent analyst and investor about uh, what's happening with latest fuel numbers and whether Tesla should be shooting more cars into space. Como News. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Stay tuned. Our auto expert will be right back. Como News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. Now, it's one of the favorite parts of the show that I have each week. Anton Woolman joining us. He is an independent analyst and investor, kind of a, a crazy, wacky uh, financial guy. Uh, Anton, let's start off with the fact that two weeks ago, we looked at the Tesla Model uh, 3 and, in fact, the entire Tesla fourth quarter results for 2017. And there were quite a few big shocks in those numbers. That's right. And uh, in particular, something the company did not actually admit in its earnings release and the attendant conference call and something that came out right after and that was that the company had delayed the availability for a variety of Model 3 versions in a variety of geographies. Most notable and most importantly, the $35,000 version of the Model 3 one which I suspect most people stood in line for two years ago has now been delayed until the very, very end of 2018 for the people who stood in line on the very first day. And for pretty much everyone else, they now keep saying, well, sometime in 2019. So that is kind of a big deal because if you put down that $1,000 refundable deposit back at the end of March or beginning of April of 2016, thinking that you would be getting this car certainly by the middle of 2018 uh, you can basically forget about it so uh, the question is for all of these people what will they now do this has all sorts of other repercussions and that is when you stood in line for that car two years ago you may not only have been interested in the $35,000 price but also you're interested in getting that $7,500 
U.S. federal tax credit so that the price would be 27,500 plus taxes and fees. And now it looks like as a result of these delays, you're not going to get that either. So the car is delayed by at a minimum, at least a half a year or so, maybe more. And you're not going to get it uh, attached to that $7,500 federal tax credit either. So um, this is a big change for all of the people who stood in line for the Model 3. So worst case scenario for Tesla, everybody cancels? Well, everybody won't cancel. Keep in mind that there are some people that are getting the car right now today. I mean, the company is producing not too far from a thousand units per week and the car is being delivered. There are a lot of people who are interested in that. And of course, there are other people yet who still have got to receive their cars. And those are the people who want all wheel drive. We expect deliveries of the all wheel drive versions to start soon, maybe as early as March, but maybe certainly by the summer. And those will obviously also cost a little bit more further still. So there are people who didn't stand in line just for the cheapest version of the car, but people who are really don't care what the car costs. They just want the best and most expensive versions. And of course, this is this distribution of interested consumers is a naturally occurring phenomenon for a lot of the cars out there. I mean, the BMW 3 Series, some people want the base version and some people want like the M3s. Maybe a lot of people will cancel. And as the car takes longer to appear in people's driveways, in the meantime, a lot of alternatives start popping up from Hyundai, Kia, GM, Jaguar, and many, many other automakers that could end up being very, very competitive. Now, we heard some interesting news about the uh, the new Kona. Uh, that's likely to be one of the major competitors in the electric car range, right? That's right. We got some further clarification in the recent week regarding the Hyundai Kona EV. This is a small crossover. Let's call it an SUV. Uh, the gasoline version will be out by the summer, I think. And uh, the electric version will start shipping in a variety of geographies around the world. Uh, also in the summer, the all-electric version appears in the United States probably in November this year. And it will have a range of at least 260 miles, maybe 270 miles. Anton uh, Wallman is our guest. When we return in the next segment of our Auto Expert, we're going to talk to Anton about some of the interesting research which is, seems to be done by the federal government. And could our fuel economy targets be changed in the next several years what does that mean who are the winners and who are the losers as we continue more our auto expert with nick miles is coming up on como news start your engines and they're off back to our auto expert nick miles this is como news Still on the phone with us, Anton Wallman, who is an independent analyst and investor. We're talking about uh, automotive market changes and some indications of what might change in the future. Now, it sounds like Bloomberg got some interesting background into a federal government research project, which could suggest that fuel economy targets are going to be changed. That's right. So the uh, more stringent fuel economy targets that we're going to hit, in particular from 2022 till 2021, 
25. Um, that was called the midterm review, and that was something that the automakers had uh, been sitting down talking to the federal government about a little bit over a year ago, and they were hoping that the federal government was going to put these increasing fuel economy targets on a hold. But right before the new administration took into effect in January of 2017, the outgoing administration basically decided to basically, in a very hurried fashion, decide on these very, very stringent fuel economy targets of up to 54 miles per gallon by 2022 to 2025 very, very quickly. And as the new administration came in, they essentially said, wait a minute, we need to review these things more carefully. And we are going to go back to the original timetable to review these things. So we'll tell you basically by April of 2018 what our decision is. And what we're now finding out is that, as we suspected a little bit, that the administration looks to basically roll back some of the most extreme aspects of these regulations by basically saying, look, guys, um, you know, we're we're finding ourselves in a situation where the consumer is not all that interested in, in, in buying a Prius and buying an electric car and what have you. Uh, they really want to focus on, you know, buying SUVs of all sizes. And, you know, whether the car gets 40 miles per gallon or 30, doesn't really matter all that much to the consumer. We're not going to basically increase these re requirements after 2021 so that basically the improved fuel economy requirements that we are going to see over the next couple of years will essentially start leveling off. And that's where the discussions are. And that, of course, puts the federal government on a major collision course with California and the nine or 10 or so states that essentially work in tandem with California to adopt even more stringent fuel economy requirements in the years thereafter. Anton, who are the winners and who are the losers in this case? So let's just say that fuel economy uh, gets changed. Uh, who ends up being the winner and who ends up being the loser in that situation? Well, basically all automakers that uh, manufacture primarily non-electric cars, so GM, Ford, FCA, that is Fiat Chrysler, all of them, Toyota, Nissan, you go down the list, all of them would be huge beneficiaries if these regulations were to be loosened up just a little bit. So I think all of these companies probably are lobbying very hard behind the scenes to ensure that uh, these changes are being made. So what about the environment? Does the environment lose out? Well, theoretically, the answer is yes, but these cars do meet all of the pollution criteria, right? So it's really just a matter of, will you be able to buy a car that consumes more fuel but still pass all of the emissions requirements. So yeah, you'll be consuming more fuel, but you know it's not like these cars suddenly will be allowed to skirt the emissions regulations. So you know that can be debated, basically. All right, Anton. Uh, if we want to read more Anton Woolman uh, stuff, we presumably go to SeekingAlpha.com. It's always uh, an enjoyment for us at the Our Auto Expert team to have you on the show and talk about the latest developments in autonomous electric and uh, the future of cars. We'll look forward to. Talking to you again next week. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. 
Well, that's the end of our, our Auto Expert show this week. Of course, you can always go to the website to find out more about what's happening in the automotive industry at ourautoexpert.com. You can see some of our reviews and also the auto shows that we've been to lately. And of course, you're more than happy to contact us through the website and send us information. Something cool that you can do now on uh, Instagram is you can follow hashtags. So uh, as we hashtag stories that appear all over the world, we hashtag them our auto expert and you can actually follow hashtags on instagram now so you can follow the hashtag our auto expert and find out what's happening as far as new car launches are concerned upcoming things that we'll be taking a look at the uh, the brand new jetta which was announced at the detroit auto show also the arteon from vw they have come back with a replacement for the cc we'll be talking about that over the coming weeks plus there's a lot more information coming out about the new trucks hitting the united states in the next few weeks or so we'll have that latest information on our website or right here at our auto expert stay connected stay informed this is como news